Welcome to New Titan Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you with Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order. This week we're coming to you with Mobile Suit Gundam Zeta episodes 43 and 44. With us this week we have Scotty P. Fun fact, um, the gate of Zedan was named as such because Zedan was the unused version of the Zeta Gundam that turned into a, a, a Nissan sedan. You know, like a sedan right and and that is complete bullshit that's not a true fact wasn't it named after the final fantasy 9 character as uh, zidane zidane <laughs> or is that the oh, way that's a that's a soccer player <laughs> and luke i was legitimately doing the math in my head of, of like final fantasy 7 came out where final fantasy 9 came out way after this game <laughs> i was legit like like that doesn't make sense <laughs> you know they use new type powers to read into the future. Yeah, all you got to do is see time. <laughs> um, all right, so episode 43, Haman's Victory. Um, do we get two episodes with good names in a row? Eh, kind of. I mean, we get Haman's Victory and the Gate of Zedan after whatever the shitty title was last it, Does a proper noun count as a good title? No, it's better than what they had before, though. It's an they they seem to have settled more on consistently mediocre titles towards the end of the series here. Yeah. Well, at, at least it's not... Uh, I mean, I guess Haman's victory is is around the same thing as, like, like somebody dies or something like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it kind of gives away a little bit of a, what's, what's going to be going on there, but... Um, this is this is the start of the end. This is really the beginning of the end. If you break the show up into little pieces, um, I mean, to me, the beginning of the end is probably after Day of Dakar on the whole. But if you then really want to look at the last like focused up arc, starts here. Yep. Yeah. These these episodes are really action packed. Uh, the the last episode we had, I think we only went about forty five minutes for two episodes. I would be surprised if we we go that short for these two episodes. We'll see. Um, yep. So we start off. We learned that Meli Melanie Hugh Carbine has sent a messenger to the Argama. Um, and we find out very shortly what that what that is. Um, but first, Kotz tells Camille that Bright wants to see him. And uh, he tells Camille that uh, Camille is moody. Uh, this, this also begins... Um, the, the series of episodes where Kotz becomes unbearably annoying. Um, yeah. Well, uh, it's, and it's Kotz is talking to Appley about Camille. Yeah. And, and he, he kind of explains it as yeah, this thing just happened with a cyber new type. And Appley's like, Oh yeah. Poor Appley. <laughs> Appley just doesn't care. He's like, isn't he like walking on a treadmill or something like that? He's, he's trying to play pool. Oh, and, that's right. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. A the Haro is messing up his game of pool because the kids know. can't keep track of it. Yeah. Um, so Carbine is telling the Argama to partner with Axis to destroy the co colony laser. Um, and Henken tells Kotz that no one wants to hear his opinion when he starts bitching that nobody should be working with Axis. So um, this is going to be a, a recurring theme for the next few episodes. Um, Kotz does not want the Ayug or Argama or anybody he likes to work with Axis because they're dirty, dirty Zeons. Um, 
and uh Shar is like he gets like a very brief like uh like visual scene here where he just like says nothing so it's like they're making a point to let you know that Shar is being quiet here um you know he's he's theoretically the leader of the uh, Ayug uh but Carbine's Carbine's telling him what to do at this point yeah, yeah, because even when they asked for his opinion, he's like, well, I guess it's at least worth a try. It's very noncommittal. Yeah. Um, Kotz is mad about the orders, and he is just getting into it with Emma. And um, Bright pulls Fa, puts pu puts Fa and Kotz in the break, because Kotz is like, well, don't you agree with me, Fa? And she's like, yeah, I kind of do. And so Bright's like, both of you, go to the break now. Um, yeah. Well, he's <laughs> just saying, yeah, for the for the next operation, if you don't agree you can go to the brig he's, he's basically telling cots you want to be a real pilot you guess what if you want to pilot a gundam you've got to go into the brig that's what happens you also have to get slapped by bright and Kotz, yeah he dodges i don't think we've seen a dodge before i think this is the I, first dodge i've seen in gundam i had the exact note of first missed bright bitch slap and it almost looked fake. Like, like the, the animation on this was kind of funny. It was like <laughs> Kotz's face was like in the background and, and it, it was, it looked like they just took like a cardboard cut out of a hand and like waved it in front of the screen. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it is both double Zeta foreshadowing and it is, I mean, for, for Kotz, he's seen this so many times. He knows what's coming. <laughs> so he at least has the level of competency to know how to, like, when a bright slap is going to happen and, and to duck. Should have came with a burger. Um, Camille volunteers to help, even though he doesn't really like the plan. I guess he just doesn't want to get thrown in the brig. Um, it looks like uh, he, at this point he launches by himself. So he's like, oh, yeah, I'll help out. And then it's like, oh, yeah, you go yourself, asshole. Um, not, not a, he volunteered. Camille volunteers. Yeah, I know. I, so like the, the talk before Camille volunteered, it sounded like there was going to be like a group of them that went. It sounded like this was like an operation, right? And like then Camille like, yeah, I'll go. And then he launches by himself. So it was like. It, th that, there might have been subtext that I was missing, but when he volunteered, I was not expecting him to go himself. It was more along the lines of like, yeah, I'll be like the point guy. But all of a sudden it's like Camille is by himself. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's so inconsistent on when they're having like a right. multi-person thing and not that when he volunteered to go, I was just like, oh, I guess he'll just go. Well, and, and the reason it kind of shocked me is because like, you know, they're volunteering to go, go talk to Axis and Camille is never the person I would be like, oh, yeah, we need to send an envoy to somebody. Let's send Camille. Like, <laughs> anybody else except for, you know, Fa and Kotz could go. I mean, honestly, you could probably send Fa and she would do a better job in 99% of the cases than Camille. Probably. Uh, yep. Yeah, so he launches with a white flag uh, and, and heads over to the Guadan. So there's a... Uh... Just before he launches, there is a, a scene that I had I had really never even noted as significant before. I just kind of thought to myself, why is this even here? Um, because they show Fa and the kids, excuse me, Fa and Kotz are in the brig, and Shinta and Kum 
want to join them in there. They want to be with Fa, basically. And they're like, okay, fine. And the guard says something to them about, oh, you know, look out for the, the ghosts in there. Like, he's just being funny, like playful, with, you know, because they're kids. And uh, Shinta says something to him. Uh, there are no ghosts in outer space. And I have a note for that. It says the kids think there are no ghosts in space. And I have dash laughs in Lala. <laughs> <laughs> that's another way to put it yeah I just, wrote, I just wrote down oh this is actually foreshadowing Dang. we'll come uh, back to it not directly but yeah yeah um so Haman, Haman, camille gets over there and haman says that she will visit the argama instead of hosting a delegation from the au um and she takes out the quibbly and uh giggles that char is asking for help <laughs> um so this is actually the first time we get to see the crabbly at this point right i think we have maybe seen some like hints of it before but i don't think we'd ever actually seen it and yeah they don't they don't show you anything about it before and um so the uh, char actually when he sees it notes that he thinks the production capabilities of Axis must have come a long way. If they and they, yeah, he also says they finally finished that thing. Like, <laughs> yep. So you have the AMX 004 Cubelay, which is a it's a very interesting looking suit. Just just not even getting into the technical capabilities of it. it this is very 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 different looking from almost anything we've seen so far. Um, now, maybe compared to some of the weirder transformable suits, it's it's more along the lines of those. But even when you look at the other Axis suits, it's like the uh, uh, Gaza Seas that we see. It's still quite different from them. It's It, it looks almost elvish. It's a good way to point it. It's like round, but also pointy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I had built the um, the master grade of it recently. And it was the uh, Embilir version, which I think was basically a a custom someone did that one in the Gunpla Builders World Cup that then got made into a an actual kit. And this is mostly just the Cubelet, but it uh, I don't know if this is the play on words or not, but it kind of embellishes the those details. Like for instance, the feet on this, unlike the actual one. So on this model kit, they kind of have this curl up at the toe mm -hmm. whereas the actual cubelet in the show and the normal cubelet kit because it even comes with the parts for those feet um it doesn't have that little detail and things like that but there's little touches on this version of it just kind of here and there that that play around with that part of it but yeah it's it's very alien looking kind of plays with that like axis is deep and it's very feminine too because it's it's a it's a white slash pink mobile suit and you notice when um, when she is flying around the Argama, uh, kind of taunting them, this this her suit has its hands on its hips the entire time. It's very much a sassy girl suit. So they kind of like push towards you. Um, thought it was cool. Uh, a detail I always, or excuse me, a detail I never really noticed about it until I built the Master Grade, and I should have because I built the High Grade forever ago and ever ago so long ago i'm pretty sure my mom has thrown it away um the cockpit actually has like this this pink piece that's on the chest it's a like shield assembly that goes in front of the cockpit like to get out you have to raise that up 
and and then there's the normal cockpit door um and I, I just always think about like the Gundam novels where they talk about how they didn't do jack shit for the safety on the new things. And then at least this one, they put some <laughs> panel over the front of the cockpit. Like you might survive one shot in this one. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so continuing on with it a little bit. Um, and, and I think, there, you know, one of the reasons I want to talk about the tech notes on this is because it's sort of this. I mean, the Zeta a little bit is and the bound dock a little bit with the Saikamu, but um, there is some stuff in the evolutionary tree as we go along. that's going to be very related to this suit. So I want to, um, to talk about it. So um, other than the arm mounted guns and beam sabers, it has 10 funnels that are stored in its tail binder. Now, this is the first time we see funnels. You're about to see a lot of them, but this is the first time we really see them. These are a lot like the bits of the Elmeth. In fact, this is technically in the like evolutionary tree of the Elmeth. If you like kind of trace things back and um, I know that in like Shars Lead Affair, you had the Schneevice and like, things like that. Um, basically, they were like, look, we're going to make it look like the Cubile is coming like, you know, it is. Anyway, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but basically those funnels are stored in that tail binder, which is where they recharge. And um, because they have thrusters and they can move on their own when they're manipulated using the Saikamu on board by the new type pilot. Um, but they also like can't fly forever. The new type pilot cannot like make them have their own uh, thrust and propellant. So they do need to recharge in that tail binder. And that's why it has that. The... Uh, 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 the large shoulder wings that look weird are what those are for are to increase the mobility. Um, so you, instead of having four limbs by having those shoulder binders that separate, you now have essentially eight limbs for the AMBAC system to compensate. And so you get finer movement and better uh, mobility. And that's, that's what the Cubile is all about. It's a pretty cool suit. I like it. I don't want to build one because I built the Kshatriya and Kshatriya is basically like the stuff from the Kubele, even bigger. <laughs> there is no 1100 Kshatriya because I'm pretty sure the 1144th is almost the size. It's, of, it's huge. It's yeah. it's this, it's only slightly smaller than um, the Sinanji Stein Master Grade that I have. Yeah. When you hit that part of UC, stuff gets real big, real quick. The fact that there's a master grade kit of the O is sort of uh, uh, amazing. Like, let's build a Psycho Zaku. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's let's do have a. We had the high grade, perfect Zeong, which was a, a model kit so big you had to put it in the back of your car. Um, we should have the master grade which it can be like the Unicron I'm about to get in a couple of weeks where they'll have to deliver it FedEx on like a pallet for you. <laughs> the, is the real, uh, how big is the real grade Zeong? Is it that, is it huge too? It looks small in the pictures. I mean, I think like big, but they've made plenty of 1144 Zeongs before. Mm. And remember perfect Zeong, this was like the unicorn one with like the Sinanju and the, yeah. This is not the Xeon with legs. Oh, okay, okay. This is the the mobile armor where that big ass Sinanju is the tiny little piece in the torso. It's like, it's like the dendrobium. Yep. Um, all right. So um Haman says that she would have nuked Earth. So so basically, um AU 
for in exchange for um, her assisting uh, the Ayug, uh, Ayug will recognize uh, Mineva as the leader of Zeon and Axis, and they will get um, side three. So Haman says very clearly that if they wouldn't have recognized the Zabi family as the leaders of, of Zeon, then she would have just nuked Earth. Um, yep. And, and Haman, Haman's playing politics here really well at this point. Um, she phrases this very carefully. So she says that AU has to accept the revival of the Zabi family, which I think is a phrasing that she picks because Shar is the de facto leader of the AU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she gets more explicit with it later in the show, but um, she also makes Shar take off his glasses and uh, basically beg her for help. Um, which she says, lick my boot, boy. Yeah, pretty much. And he does. Um, there's a, uh, there's a, a good quote here from her, which is the proof of our might will forever be etched in your minds. Yep. So um, right before they launch for this operation, Camille runs in and gives Cots and Foss some normal suits um, so they don't die if the Argama gets attacked. Um, Fa wants to fight, and Cots is whining to, and says, see if I care if, uh, uh, if what happens. Um, it's Bright's fault that we're, you know, in the brig. Um, the Argama forces Basque to, so, so the battle begins, and um, part of the, the plot, or part of the strategy here is the Argama attacks and forces Basque to widen his defensive peri perimeter, while the Guadain um, kind of goes inside because they're nominally allied with the Titans at this point. Um, so they go in near the colony laser um, inside the defensive perimeter, so that basically they're they're not going to have to deal with like a compressed like uh titan force it's a faint operation yeah um yeah so the guardian offers to help and he's like yeah sure why not um and we also learn at this point that haman is only aiming to disable the laser so she can try to use it later um they don't say exactly what they're going to do to disable they, they point that, that they're going to shoot at a certain point but they don't really say what's going to happen but essentially what happens is what you see with double oa3 and a few other things where they're basically just trying to push the laser off course they're not actually like significantly damaging it to any real degree they're just kind of like hitting it with a big volley that pushes it um out of out of its path so it can't um shoot the moon yeah, so some of the some of the things along the way here that that you have happen when the Dogo skier gets that message from the quad and Basque is at least savvy enough to do a couple of things when he replies back. Um, one of them is he has another crew person radio the Alexandria and say, "Have them go keep an eye on the Guadin," and then he kind of says to himself that. I think this is just Taman trying to, um, he says, put us in her debt. And then the sub says, sell us a favor means the same thing, but yeah. anyway. Um, and so we kind of know then that Alexandria and Dogos gear, like Gaudian and Basque are maybe not 
seeing eye to eye exactly. And so the Alexandria is all like, oh, we've we've lost sight of the Guadan behind grips too. Whoops. Uh, you you briefly get to see uh, Yazan and Gaddy looking at a monitor, telling them that. So you see that like Yazan's not even out. Like he's just in his in his pilot suit sipping on something. Yeah. Yeah. Gin and juice. Um. Yeah. So Haman is or Camille tells the Titan forces not to come out when their suits are poorly maintained. He like mocks him. He's like, ah, if you're not going to fucking like maintain your suits, don't even bother to fight me. I'm just going to kill you, dude. Um, and then he, he, they, they start getting overwhelmed. Um, they, there's just so many Titan forces that, um, they're, they're getting pushed back. Um, and, uh, we see another hint of Fa with her new type abilities at this point. She kind of like goes like, Oh, Camille's in trouble. Um, and Bright allows her and Kotz to um, leave the Argama and head out to support uh, the battle some more. Uh, and Kotz gets the Yakushiki, and uh, I'm sure Shar is like thrilled about this. Um, Camille and everybody are getting overwhelmed while the Guadan slow rolls its attack. So like, they're like, uh, is the Guadan going to do anything? What are we doing? We're going to lose if this is, you know, this continues on too long. Yeah. Shar um, is noting that he, he thinks Haman is trying to weaken everybody through a battle of attrition. Yeah. Um, so it finally shoots and Basque is like, what the Guadan fired. Um, he seems more surprised than he should have been, but he is. Yeah. Oh, you know, one one thing I noticed before, right before this part, when they're all like, oh, we're all getting overwhelmed and all that. You get a quick shot of the radish where they're like, all right, get ready for a ship to ship battle. We're going to have to do this. Get the guns ready. That's usually not a good thing you want to have to start to do when you're on a space cruiser. Um, yeah. What I had noted or noticed in the movie versions was that the radish had this like rad dude with a pompadour and sunglasses on the bridge crew. And I was like, where was this guy? <laughs> He is in the old show. He just isn't quite as conspicuous. But there is a dude with a pompadour and sunglasses on the uh, on the radish. <laughs> um, yep. So, Vask orders everybody to attack the Guadan at this point. Um, and we learned that the colony lasers course was changed away from the moon. Um, well, Basque also, the, the, this one crewman is like, shouldn't we like go, go focus on grips too? And Basque is like, no. <laughs> punches the crap out of him yeah yeah basque is good at beating people up like he he, he doesn't care he, he don't give a fuck him and his tiny glasses will just punch you that's right that's right well you know other you know he that, reminds me of of that guy from ghost in the shell yeah yeah kind of a little bit he's got that look like a little bit like bato yeah uh, yeah yeah um so yeah, like after you've got this happening, uh, you you hear Haman kind of playing coy, like playing her card of they're, what they're going to say is their cannons were aimed at the Argama, but they must have been off and we hit Crips instead. Oh, and by the way, let's go run with the Argama. <laughs> yeah, so she, she heads off to uh, meet up with the, after the battle. Um, and then, so the end, this is the like the last scene of the, the show is... Um, Maneva and Haman are playing up how Shar enabled the Zabi family to be put into power. Um, and like, when I say playing it up, it's like, they're like putting it in his face. Cause you know, they know that he, like one of the, he did not like the Zabis. Now he might've cared for Maneva, but that's like, 
you know, the zombies in general, he despised them. And, uh, you know, especially more if you watch origin and get that background and, and everything like uh, they're, they're milking it. Well, and I, and I think it helps that Maneva is Dozel's kid because Dozel was about the only one he had a moderately healthy relationship with. And I say moderately because that may even be a stretch, but that was the only Zabi that he seemed to ever really yeah. get along with at any point other than his like uh, homo love affair with Garma. Sharma. Garma. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, no, but this, this, this scene though, I, I, I do have to say like this scene is very much amplified with the retconning of origin. Like oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. this is the, like, this scene is meant for origin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, cause he, they have him go to that throne room thing that we saw before mm -hmm. and there, there's hardly anyone there this time, but he basically just took, you know, to the old game of Thrones term, like he has to bend the knee basically. And like, you know, then you see him get back to the ship and he's like, Oh, we're probably gonna have to kill him. <laughs> he gets onto his like hologram park bench thing. And he's like, Fuck. yeah. And and as the ships are kind of flying apart, um, after Shar kind of makes a comment like, "This is we're gonna have to kill these guys." Bright's like, "Scan the shit out of the Guad, and I want to know where every turret is, where every you know everything on that ship." Um. And they do. And the, the very, very last scene of this is Char stewing on the park bench and Camille and Emma just kind of watching on in silence. Yeah, this this sucks for him. Yeah. Uh, this is, it's sort of like he's fighting this new battle and he's he's got great momentum. Things are, are going pretty well for him. He's being put in this leadership position that he didn't really want, but he kind of goes along with it because I think he knows in the back of his head, this is probably the best way for me to realize these ideals that I now have about, you know, getting most people off of earth so it can heal and, you know, getting rid of the Federation because they're not, you know, they're bad for humanity and, and all this stuff. Um, and he's already been a little bit stunted by being in that new role. He doesn't get to go out and, and make change happen by blowing stuff up in a mobile suit right now. Yeah, there's been several cases that we haven't really mentioned, but like, you know, Char's like, all right, I'll go out. And Bright's like, no, you're not. Yeah, because you're going real fast. But um, uh, like, he's already kind of got that. And then, but anyway, I, I think what I was going for, like, the overall point here was he's fighting this new battle against the Titans. And suddenly his old battle that he had put behind him is, is it back? He, he's kind of, you can tell he's conflicted. He's thinking to himself, I mean, on one hand, it's, I think the only reason he's even going along with it is he's seeing that it's Maneva and he's thinking to himself, like, at least I know her and it's not, like, it's not necessarily like, you know, oh, Cassilia is in charge now, right? Right. And I think that's the only reason he goes along with it, but he's just still like, really conflicted. Yeah. I, I think, I think despite the speech he gave at Dakar, he still hasn't fully um, embraced. And I don't think he ever really does fully embrace the um, Casval Daikun mantle. 
No, no. His entire persona, excuse me, I shouldn't say that's the wrong term. His, like, he as a person is a person that just plays the role of other people. And he never really, there are brief flashes of it, but he never really goes back to the role of Casval Daikun. He's in the role of Quattro, and then he flips back to the role of Shar Aznable. Yeah. Yeah. And like the Shar Aznable and, and Shar's counterattack is kind of like Shar Aznable on speed, <laughs> but you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> episode 44, The Gate of Zidane. So, like, this is a good episode title, but that's just because The Gate of Zidane sounds cool. <laughs> they picked a good name for something for once. But, but, you know, if it was, like, Washington, D.C., it would be like, really? <laughs> I should have named it Washington, D.C. <laughs> then it would have been, like, the uh, Neo-America colony and in, in G-Gundam, where it's just, like, a big space rock, and it's got like the Statue of Liberty sticking out of it and stuff. <laughs> G Gundam's amazing. Yeah, I like a lot of the uh, uh, like cyberpunk stuff where it's like everything's Neo Tokyo, Neo Hong Kong, you know? <laughs> Neo Kobe. Yeah. All right. Um, so Haman is making arrangements to meet with Jamatov. Um, and Jared thinks Haman is a treacherous witch. Um, Jamatov's group. <laughs> so, before we go any further, how is Jared able to be like this high level where he's interacting with Jamatov now? Because we have never seen an instance of Jared being competent enough that, like, but he like content. He's like failing upward constantly. Peter Principle. <laughs> maybe well no okay so they do not literally explain it but it is explained in the conversation they have it is it really is because when do we see what do we see happen to jared a lot gets the shit kicked out of him Mm -hmm. he gets thrown down a mountain he gets not only like has his mobile suit disabled and it's falling but then amaro shoots it again (laughs) anyway right he gets sniped yeah yeah that like he he constantly gets the upper hand and then like gets smacked away not this time gadget (laughs) yeah so but you know he's talking to jamatov and he's asking what his opinion on haman is and jared's like she's a woman with no shame and uh, Jamatov goes, okay, yeah, I'll meet with her, but it needs to be somewhere other than the gate of Zedan. And, and there's something in here about how, you know, like Haman, or excuse me, that Jared is a bit like Haman and that they're all trying to just survive. And Jamatov then puts this like bracelet looking thing, which we later find out it's basically like a weapon, like a wrist mounted weapon. Yeah. Uh, and tells Jared that this is a good luck charm to survive. And so what Jamatov has sort of recognized here is that Jared has a survival sense that Jamatov uh, recognizes and finds like a kinship in, if you will, because that's what's driving Jamatov is just to survive. Um, because in a lot of Gundam, honestly, yeah, he's figured it out, man. Like you just survive in advance. It's March. Look, I mean, not in the show in real life, but just live. 
how many characters don't live past their series anyway? He yeah. he watched the 0079. He anyway, often, <laughs> but yeah, um, and and I and that's what he's kind of explaining here, um, and he's telling Jared not to hesitate to use that weapon if he needs it and to you know keep the um, Dogo's gear up to date and all that. But yeah, the whole conversation it's basically saying like, okay, we don't want to explain how the hell Jared got here. We're putting Jared here and they have this conversation that kind of thematically makes it to where like Jamatov has respect for Jared and, and his survival instinct. Yeah. So this wristband that he gives them is like this big hulking piece of metal thing that like just sits on his wrist. So it's not hidden at all. It's kind of funny when he, when he uses it, but we'll, we'll get there in a second. Um, so Kotz feels like he has to help out people or they will forget about him. Um, just like we all wish we could forget about him, but he's still around for right now. Um, so Kotz is mad at Bright and Char still for working with Haman and bowing down to her. Um, and he thinks that she'll double cross him and he just throws a fit. So this is just more of Kotz being Kotz. Um, and it's really annoying. Um, we get it. Uh, <laughs> They do this a lot with, I, I feel like, and with certain characters, like they, they hammer it into your skull that a, a certain character believes a certain way. And it's like not at all subtle or good character development when they do it. They like, the, like we were talking about earlier, like when, when Rosamia finds that, that, that kid in the colony where like she's holding the body, like that, that was like actually a pretty good character building thing for anybody but her, you know? But it's like with Kotz, it's like, wow, I don't like that you're working with mine. I don't know. Um, yeah, so Sarah is back. We see we haven't seen her in a hot minute. Um, she shows back up and meets up with uh, Rekoa. So now we've got some some sexual tension around Sirocco. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I was gonna, all right. You're good. I started laughing because I was like, not, no, not at all between those two. Like, <laughs> no, not between them. No, no. This is, no, no. This, this is the competition for Sirocco. Every, every woman in the show wants to bank Sirocco. One um, of these days I'll understand why. If, if we're lucky that Bright actually didn't run into Sirocco because I feel like he would have, you know. There's a fanfic out there <laughs> right now. Um, Maybe yeah. what maybe if I ever I don't have need of it, but if I ever need to have another popular phase, I will just ha I clearly need to get a headband. My hair is almost long enough now after all this quarantine stuff. So headband. There you go. Um, yep. So Sarah's jealous that Sirocco is taking Rekoa to the gate of Zidane. Um, and he asks Sarah to manage the Dogo skier while he's gone. Um and so, of he course, he trusts her. Yeah, he trusts How her. How much he trusts her. And so she's like, oh, I'm going to show Sirocco that I'm good enough. So, yeah, this means that she's going to get into a mobile suit and get our battle of the episode done. Um, <laughs> so while she's preparing for that, um, Camille wants to promote Kotz to be a normal soldier. Um, something, something child soldiers, right? Like... We Camille started off the show saying like, ah, I can't believe you're making kids fight and blah, 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 blah. Hey, can you make Kotz a soldier? I think he's younger than me, but yeah, he needs to be a mobile suit pilot. Well, um, 
he's, he's saying maybe some responsibility will help him. And yeah. I think Camille is more of like, he's doing shit anyway. Please give him something to do. It, it'll give him more positive, like, I don't know, motivation, I guess. Yeah. And but, it, it's a, it's a little bit like if I had to commentate on this part a little bit, like bright without the actual disciplined military structure, like nobody, nobody on the argument has discipline and <laughs> like, dude cannot keep everything together on his own. And that's one of the reasons Cots is like trying to do stuff because I'm sure Bright's got his hands full with all this, all kinds of shit. And he's like, Cots. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. I'll think about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's thinking that's exactly what we need is more Cots action. <laughs> and that's what I was thinking. Yep. So um, Cots senses some sort of pressure from the enemy and launches at this point. Did I skip something? It's giving me a weird look. Where are you? Cots uh, wants to be uh, something, something child soldiers. Uh, Sarah sees people launching and launches herself. I'm, I, man, I'm looking through so many lines of my notes and I can't find Cots launching yet. Or, it it might have been Camille. My bad. Camille. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, because Camille. Yeah. yeah. Torres on the bridge detect radio waves coming from a meteorite, and then then they detect a mobile suit coming from straight ahead. It is not Cots feeling new type stuff. Sorry, uh, it was Camille sensing some sort of pressure from the enemy. Yes, yes, uh, and he launches in the Zeta. Yep. Did you write? Uh, do you shorthand it K? Because I hate these episodes with Camille and Cots because yes. I have to write their names out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so Sarah sees them launching and she engages with the, uh, him. Um, so Camille gets grappled, but he manages. So he, so Sarah launched with two Isaacs with her. Um, and they kind of like grab onto Camille, but he manages to take one of them out initially, eventually like damages the other. I don't know if it, it's a cool move. Did we yeah. mention what she's piloting by the way? The Balanok Simone. I yeah. didn't. No, yeah, I just thought it was. They, they didn't call it out by name what it was, did they? I'm not sure they ever do, but that's that's what it's called. It, it's been seen uh, like they had it on the moon, I think, mm -hmm. you know, testing it. But yeah, the Balanok Simone or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's kind of a cool move. Like this Hyzak has him grappled, and then the, so the other one like starts charging for him, but. Hey, now we just talked about AMBAC a little bit with the Cubalay. Um, that tail binder on the Zeta, he uses it here. And he uses it to change his momentum, and it swings him out of the way while the other Hyzak is grappled just like by the arms. And then the other, so the other Hyzak just kind of flies straight through and, and hits nothing. And then Camille now has the opportunity to just, uh, well, he, he, he just shoots the hell out of the guy that was holding him. We even yeah. get to see the guy in his cockpit going. <laughs> um, yep. So Sarah grapples the Zeta and is going to blow them both up. So the, she's like, uh, she's like, ah, I'm going to take you out and with me. And Camille's like, ah, this is a, not a good idea. Um, so he decides just to cut her arm off. Um, and then uh, he, he like talks to her and um, she, she's, well, he cuts her arm off after she says, Camille, you just don't get it. Sirocco is just so dreamy. 
so awesome. You would, if you if you were like Sir Aku, I'd follow. Long flowing purple hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so Bright Forces got to launch, and everybody is like, uh, don't you mean Fa? And and uh, Kotz is like, or uh, Bright's like, no, not Fa. Well, it's because they Shaw realizes that there are these first few suits that they have encountered are a decoy. And Bright's like, oh, okay, we have to, oh, we, we need to attack send out cots and then yeah you get that stuff and but then you also have Shar making a remark here like he's he's getting pent up yeah he's getting he, pent up here he's like let me guess i get to stay on the bridge yep yep yeah this is probably like we mentioned it before but this is like one of the first times where he's actually like acts pretty annoyed before it's like char you stayed behind now it's like no, you're staying behind. He's like, God damn it. Shar <laughs> yeah, right now, he's been coming home late from work and he's like, Oh, you have a you have a headache again. Okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Camille chases after Sarah into uh, uh I guess what, what was it like a station or a colony or something like that? Space debris with a uh, some kind of man-made structure inside. Yeah. Fucking yeah. You get like a brief view of it and then they're inside it. So, um, yeah. So they're going around inside on foot. Um, and he kind of tricks her by sending his, an empty normal suit. So he like blows up the normal suit and like pushes it by. So she's like going to sneak up on it and kill it. And then he like, um, like grabs her. Uh, yeah. And it's the entire reason that they have Camille remark like, oh, there's there's still air in here. It's so that he can take his normal suit off and do this whole thing. And it's just yeah. like, you couldn't have like a, just make it a wrecked ship. It must have just been easier on the animators to be like, make it look like a rock on the outside, but a space station on the inside. It's a uh, <laughs> reused artwork, from, uh, reused scenery from 0083. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Camille talks shit about Sirocco and Sarah tells uh, Camille that Sirocco is going to bring a new future for, for humanity. Um, and he's like, he's like, uh, yeah, there's no, not going to be any future for you if you're dead. Yeah. She's saying she'll give her life to realize his vision. And he goes, no, nah, bro, when your life's over, bro, it's it, man. That's all. And she's like, bro. Yeah, she's like, Oh, Camille. Like you think she like gets it for a second. It's like they they, but like then she doesn't. Um, so Haman apologizes. Oh, back to obviously Haman and Jamatov. So Haman apologizes to Jamatov the laser, and then she uh, threatens to blow up the gate of Zidane if the Titans fuck with her. It's like, hey, sorry about that laser that I uh, fucked up for you. By the way, if you mess with me, I'm going to blow up this whole uh, asteroid that you're yep. sitting on. With our bigger asteroid. Yeah. And actually, they haven't talked about where Axis is for a long time, have they? We've I mean, only... other, other than just generally like being in the Earth sphere. like This is really the first mention of it, though, here uh, proper, because she's like, no, we will destroy the Gate of ZN with, with Axis. And we, we can do that. Like we, we are ready to do that. Yeah. Um, so she wants to kill Jamatov. Um, and 
she's like, I've got some cyanide. I'm going to like drop this and kill everybody. Oh. And mm. Mm. Um, so there's, there's some in, uh, a fun dialogue here, right? Because Jamatoss is like, well, what do you want? And she's like, well, you need to recognize the revival of zombies. He's like, I already said that was fine. And Jamatov says, do you want blood? And it makes you think back to Shiraco. Oh, yeah. He like mocks that yeah. situation. And, and then what? I mean, Jamatov asked that. And Haman is the one that mocks it. She says, what What good is a smear of blood on a piece of paper doing? It's like this low key shade on Shiraco. And she doesn't even know she's doing it. Um, <laughs> and it's it's also just, I mean, everyone betrays everybody. Big yeah. massive spoiler, like I haven't foreshadowed the hell out of it. But yeah, then she says the only thing that will satisfy her is Jamatov's life. Yep. And then we get the the wrist gun fired from Jared, <laughs> which is uh, like, like they, I don't know. Why did I, I don't get why they just made this wrist gun instead of just giving him a gun. Because he's got to be, he's got to be villainous. But, but like, like, like <laughs> had like two or three guards behind him that had guns, so it's not like it, they couldn't have. Not villainous enough. He's a real gun as a villain. He's got he's got to like surprise out of his sleeve. You know what I mean? I, I feel like it, there's has to be some sort of toy tie-in where it's like get the Jared wrist gun. Nobody's <laughs> <laughs> gonna want the fucking Jared wrist gun. Like the last kid on the playground to grab a toy gets the Jared wrist gun. Okay, I mean, <laughs> come on, it, it's. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's probably just a, a style points. I'm not sure. May, maybe this is some actual type of weapon in this universe that we just never paid attention to. I have no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, so she she does drop the cyanide, uh, and Jared and Jamatov are able to get away before it kills them. Um, yeah, so Jamatov has, like, special doors. yeah. Like his throne room had like a like a moving wall that just like and then like elevated him away. Yeah. And uh there's a there's actually a note here that I only have because Candace noticed it um, while I was watching these. Um when uh, uh Haman first I think this is before um she releases the gas, when she mentions having the earrings with the cyanide in them. Uh, and says there's enough in here to kill everybody in the room. Uh, Jared in the dub says, you fiend, and the subtitles say, you bitch. <laughs> oh. That's pretty hilarious. Um, yep, so the Guadan asks Argama for support, and Bright launches missiles and suits uh, and support. So uh, Kotz, of course, refuses to help Axis, and uh, we see that Camille actually has gotten back into the Zeta and has Sarah with him. So um, everybody, like, at this point, it's just basically like everybody is saying, you know, Haman's going to betray you guys, right? Um, and it's just, it, it, they're beating it in their head. Nobody trusts Haman. Um, and Kotz is, uh, he decides to launch because he hears Sarah's voice at this point. Um, I have a note that says Katz keeps acting stupid. So I just assume he did something dumb and decided to launch. <laughs> well, so Sarah is audible on Camille's radio. And Katz is like, oh my God, it's Sarah. Even though like, 
remember last time, which they, they do come back to. Yeah. But he's like, oh, I'm going to go. is so bad. Yeah. Uh, so Jared launches in the uh, violent, and he is going to take out Haman. Um, Gaza sees launch from the Guadagnin to fight uh, Jared. The argument shows up just in time to back up the Guadagnin, and um, we get to see Jared versus Camille part. What episode is this? 44? Uh, I wrote 43. <laughs> I wrote this down as part 12,095. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, we do need to note here that Jared is. Uh, um, he's he's actually real effective in this battle. Yeah. Unless he's fighting Camille. Finally. Well, even even. Well, he takes out some Gaza seas, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean he and he's. You have to remember this is like a chaotic scene, and he's just kind of ripping through it right now. Yeah, he's 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 definitely on a mission to to wreck some people, um, but. Camille kicks his suit in the nuts and throws him away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh man, Jared's being oppressive. Oh shit, he just got, yep, that happened. <laughs> oh, Jared, go. Oh no, wait, there's Camille. <laughs> so Jared runs away while um, Sarah senses the Jupiter's uh, new type style. Um, Jared pushes the forces on after they want to retreat. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so Sarah's almost getting um, Camille killed by Jared during this fight too. So, uh, well, now we, we also need to, to mention that while Jared is like, Oh, it's Camille. I'll fight him. This is just something along his way of his real objective, which was to go kill him on. And, he manages to blow up one of the Guadans like fuel tanks. Yeah. He is, he is going to accomplish this goal at this point. Um, it's again, like I said, for whatever reason, this is like rage Jared and Oh shit. He's doing something and it's working. Yeah. So when Jared and Camille kind of get back together and fighting again, um, Sarah is basically like, you know, in the cockpit. So she is distracting Camille, making it harder for him to fight. Um, and Kotz is flying around looking for Sarah. Um, and then uh, Sarah starts begging Kotz to destroy the Guadian for Sirocco. Um, and this is where like Kotz rams Jared um this is right after Jared kind of like launch, cuts a hole into the Guadian's fuel tank, but Kotz rams Jared and damages him enough that uh, everybody kind of starts withdrawing. And uh, Kotz tells Sarah that he owes his maturity to Sarah's betrayal and dishonesty, which means, Earth. I mean, that does, he doesn't have any maturity. So does does that mean he owes her nothing? It was ineffective. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So th this episode kind of ends with Sarah sad in her new room on the Argama. And my only note here after this is we'll know that she'll have free reign of the ship in the next episode. <laughs> well, 
the other interesting part of this here to me was that um, uh, Fa is asking Camille, "Why, why did you like?" She's basically like another one. <laughs> you brought back another chick. Why? And Camille's like, "I just can't kill people." He's like that kid that won't stop bringing stray cats home. <laughs> He's bringing stray cats home, all right. It's, and he, he's definitely catching something from those cats, too. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, the narrator, as this one ends, does also tell us that the Axis, or that Axis is approaching the gate of ZN, which Haman kind of told us already, but the, now the narrator has, too, so it's really official. Yeah, and we've only really seen Axis once in this show so far. I think there was, like, one point where... Um, Char had like they detected nuclear thrusters out in space, and you you saw like a very very far off uh, view of Axis. Yeah, it was before they went to the back of the McDonald's. <laughs> McDaniel's, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. I I enjoy yeah like every anime has its own just like version of McDonald's and they're never called McDonald's. It's always something else. It's different, but I, I just enjoy seeing all the different variations on, on the same damn thing. McDonald's is maybe the most common, right? Cause you just turn the M upside down, but I always love the, the wonderful, like how the hell do you even say it? Um, and devil's a part-timer. It's McDonald's. <laughs> Uh, there's a, a, a wiki page called fictionalcompanies.fandom.com where they literally have a list of every company that has been fictionally represented in every anime and what they called it. It's really good. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Yeah, McDonald's. There's Dom Donald's, Eck uh, Donald's, uh, uh, Mac Dogs, Mac Ronald, uh, Mac Cross Nelds, <laughs> Magnatron uh, Burger, Mick D Maids. <laughs> McBurger, uh, Mig Ronalds, Mob Donalds, Mock Ronalies, Mo Burger, and it, it goes on. It goes on and on. <laughs> oh, McDonald's, old Macudonado. Yep. All right, you guys got anything else for this episode? No. This these two episodes. This is this is a good start to the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed this. The, this is uh, th this is the part that's it, it gets a little bit easier to watch. Uh, funnily enough, a little bit more difficult to take notes because things are happening. There, um, yeah, there's so much going on here, and it's like, what do you focus on? The pause button. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, if you're watching it, like, yeah, this is it, it, this is part of the show that gets a lot better with repeat viewings because all are building up our characters it's basically done now stuff is happening now it's crammed into the end but there's a lot of stuff happening the first time i watched this show i could kind of tell you where things stood at the end but a, a couple of the little twists and turns i was like wait who was with and then huh um obviously it's much more clear on, on repeated viewings and, and when you may learn later what to pay attention to uh, but you also have this thing that 
uh, here you've got something where uh, Tomino likes to play with lots of factions and lots of infighting and lots of groups that maybe even have a name, but it might only be a small group and, and there's lots of pieces going on. But what I appreciate in Zeta is that they have um, very distinct names and uniforms and, and characters and, and things like that. Uh, whereas some of the later stuff where that's been done, um, like for instance, like, look, I, I followed G Reco just fine, but having a group that's the Capitol guard and another one that's the Capitol army. And they're like, it, it, no, give me weird space names and it's a lot easier. And, yeah. and I like that. I can appreciate that now on here when I've seen him do it not as well uh, with, with all kinds of crazy factions and stuff. Um, like I, I like the, the 80s campiness of it. Like, no, these are, this is the bad guys. So they'll look like this and they've got this imposing name like the Titans. And now these are also bad guys, but they're going to look a little bit different and they're more pink and they are Axis. Um, it just makes it easier. To and then you have Yazan with the continuously opening shirt that's the that's the real McDonald's. <laughs> All right. Anything else? No, I don't think so. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll check you again in two weeks. Until then, uh, feel free to reach out to us at New Type Flashpot on Twitter or in our Mobile Suit Gundam subreddit posts. See you later. Where's my mouse? All right there it is. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.